most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Amen. There's a story that Jesus, when he returned to heaven at his ascension, he was asked about the arrangements that he had made for the continuation of his ministry and the building of the church. He replied that this was now in the hands of his followers. Knowing the kind of people that they are, this was regarded with some skepticism. So he was then asked, so what then is plan B? There is no plan B, Jesus replied. The story is obviously the figment of someone's imagination, but it makes a serious point. Christ has left the responsibility of continuing his ministry and the building of his church in the hands of his people. However, we are not on our own. As we saw yesterday in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit has been given for the very purpose of giving power to transform and equip God's people for the task. And today, looking at Acts 3 and 4, we see how this power was beginning to work out in the early stages of the church, particularly with regard to the name of Jesus. We see that as the apostles take up the task, they make clear that Jesus is to be both the pattern of their ministry and the priority of their message. It becomes clear that Jesus is at the center of their ministry and in that they are concerned for the well-being of the lame man at the gate of the temple. Jesus is also at the center of their message, both to the crowds and in their defense to the Sanhedrin. The person of Jesus is constantly at the forefront of all that the apostles do and say. The name of Jesus occurs six times in these two chapters. It relates to the healing of the lame man as Peter responds to his request for money. So chapter 3 verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then in explanation to the crowd that had gathered, Peter says, verse 12, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed, over him, handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. 
by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And later on, the two apostles were brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were questioned specifically about the use of the name. So when the Sanhedrin questioned them in verse 7, chapter 4, by what power or what name did you do this? Peter replies, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and who asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. This statement was obviously a very direct reference to the power of the name of Jesus and the emphasis then that that was the only means of salvation. It is clear that what really concerned the Sanhedrin was the fact that the apostles were proclaiming Jesus as the risen Messiah. The power associated with the name of Jesus had not been lost on the leaders as they specifically forbid the apostles to use it. So in 4.16, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's interesting that although the religious leaders were angry about the apostles preaching, um, they noted something about them. So in verse 13 in the New Living Translation, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Later, in the response to the command not to speak about Jesus, the apostles answer, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. These were men who had been with Jesus, 
They'd seen what he'd been doing, healing the sick, raising the dead. They'd heard him teaching about the kingdom of God. This and the subsequent filling of the Spirit had made a life-changing impact on their lives. This was evident not only what they said, but in what could be seen. They could be seen as those who had been with Jesus. Finally, we see the believers as a group praying for power in Jesus' name, both for healing and preaching. So in chapter 4, verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The whole community had become involved through hearing the report of Peter and John, and then together turning to God in prayer. It's interesting to note the content of their prayer. It was not, Lord, please bring us relief from this opposition, but Lord, give us boldness in the face of this opposition. They recognize the power of the name of Jesus. See also that what was God's response, a renewed filling of the spirit and the necessary boldness to continue in their witness. What then can we learn from today's passage? Firstly, it is that we are called to continue Christ's mission in making disciples and building the church. But importantly, we should see that Christ himself is to be the pattern for our ministry, the way in which we carry out our service, but also the priority in our message what we share with others. Practical care for those in need is something which comes across very clearly in the gospel record of Christ's ministry. As Jesus sends out his disciples, he gives them the following instructions. Luke 9 verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And when they returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. He took them with him and they withdrew to a place called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. In the ministry of Jesus, we see that he's concerned for the whole person, um, what we call a holistic ministry. And Paul makes it clear that while good works cannot be the means of salvation, they should certainly be the result of it. So in Ephesians 2, 8, 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul encourages the churches to provide for those in need, and he himself was involved in making arrangements for aids, for, for aid for the believers in Jerusalem. The work of neighborhood chaplains is a good example of combining the healing ministry in the name of Jesus with seeking opportunities for witness in his name. And so we see the Spirit of God working as his followers continue the example of Jesus' own ministry, care for people and the proclamation of God's word. We can so easily be diverted from this path, both individually and as a church. Diverted, that is, from not emphasizing the name of Jesus. And we need to be constantly brought back to focus upon him. And as we seek to follow the plan of Jesus, we are to work with him and ensure that Jesus is both the pattern of our ministry and the priority of the message that we proclaim. As a closing prayer, perhaps I might go back again to an old hymn. Pray together. Lord, mine are the hands to do the work. My feet shall run for thee. My lips shall sound the glorious news. Lord, here am I. Send me. Amen.